Happy New Year and welcome to the brand new internal series Inside AM, where we take you behind the scenes of our fast-paced jewellery brand, exploring what our teams get up to across all different levels from junior to head of departments and everything in between. Stay tuned for career-focused tips, role-specific knowledge, teams' personal failures in their career development and the advice to succeed your dream job aspirations and more. I'm your host, Alexia Aronson, Director of People and Culture here at Astrid and the U, where my job is to make sure we bring out the best in all our teams so that they can truly flourish in their roles and their wider lives. Let's get into it. This is a virtual recording, so please excuse the sound quality. Welcome, everyone. Today, we are joined by three key members of our experiential retail team. So there's not many retail brands that have a dedicated um, team to experiential retail. So you are in for a treat. We have Adam, our experiential retail manager, Abby, our store design manager, and Charlotte, one of our top peers. So should we jump right in? Um, Adam, Abby, and Charlotte, would you like to intro your roles and what you do and how long you've been at Astrid to meet you? Um, so my name's Adam. I've been with the brand now for two, just over two and a half years. Um, I started off working within the retail management side in our stores. Um, and then my most recent role is experiential retail manager. So basically my role is looking after the services in our stores. So whether that's the people side of it. So we have a team of piercers, tattoo artists and jewelers or the customer side of it. So it could be redefining our customer journey within our stores and just making sure that we're offering the same service to all of our customers. I'm Abby and I've been the store design manager at Astrid and for almost a year now. I look after the team who design and manage the process for all new and existing store projects. And my role covers everything from new store concept designs to managing the project right through to opening. You had a crazy year last year, didn't you? At the end of last year, three store openings in the space of one month. Yeah, it was super busy. I think we did three in three weeks and two in one week at the end. Oh, I bet you wish we never have that kind of schedule again. No, throw in the deep end. <laughs> Charlotte? Um, I'm Charlotte. I've been with the brand, it'll be three years in March, Um and I'm the PSA primarily in Box Park. I do go around a little bit, but I try and stay in our Shoreditch branch. Um, and yeah, just make sure people have a good experience when they come in. <laughs> um, should we quickly talk about what exactly experiential retail is and why at Astrid and Me we are so passionate about it? And I guess how your roles contribute to this. Um, from my experience, having worked predominantly in just retail management previously, um, when you think of our high street for like the past like 10 years, it's pretty much just a product led business. So, um, pretty much all retail management roles have the kind of same kind of premise throughout the year. You're pretty much always working towards Christmas, wherever you are in the year. And you just, your main focus is pushing product, making sure you're making money through that kind of, um, structure. Um, I think for us, experiential retail is really taking that kind of structure away. There's still like a focus on it because we do have a product side of our business within retail still, but it's really kind of like breaking it away and really realizing what else we can offer to our customers. Um, and by experiential, we don't necessarily just mean the services that we offer, but the overall vibe and atmosphere within our stores. Um, so it could still be a product um purchase that a customer makes but how we can still 
make that like the best experience that um, we can offer them in the stores. And I think our services are such a huge part of that as well. Um, You're not necessarily buying into a product, but more an experience and a memory, um, which working in jewellery, often a jewellery purchase is an emotional purchase and it could be a gift. It could be something to like mark a certain time in your life. Um, So with that, you already get a memory, but I think to actually give them an experience and something that they leave, such as like a piercing or a tattoo that you literally have for life. Um, and for that to then kind of um, keep you thinking of our brand is just such a great thing for a business model, I think. Um, and just, yeah, I think we are probably the people who are the front runners at the moment within the high street who are offering the services. And I think we've just pretty much like scraped the service. I don't know about you guys, but um that's that's kind of my thought on experiential retail. yeah absolutely and I guess like with e-commerce growing so much particularly in the last couple of years with the stores shut now it's like it's such a we need to be able to offer something different that they can't get from the website and that's exactly what you said Adam it's giving them this feeling when they leave that they will never forget Abby how does the store design feed into that experience I would say that we can um achieve this through design I really th- feel that through having physical stores, it really gives a brand an opportunity to immerse the consumer in a particular brand's ethos and values. This can be achieved through design um, while offering a kind of unique experience that provides that competitive alternative to online shopping, as you mentioned. A kind of a brand's website and online presence product descriptions and things like that are all very important but I really feel what lingers in a consumer's mind to come back is what they see experience and be part of when they enter a retail store so I really do see the future of retail design as something that emphasizes on selling the brand rather than just selling product products which is similar to what Adam mentioned as well yeah absolutely and Charlotte as one of our peers what do you feel like customers love most about our brand and the experience um something I get quite a lot from people is obviously when especially with a piercing or a tattoo it can be quite a nerve-wracking thing and people are quite often a little bit nervous um they often say that we're going to these main like the main tattoo studios that can be quite an intimidating experience so I think they quite like that it almost doesn't feel too clinical because our obviously so much goes into the design of our stores. It's there's people there to welcome you. It's friendly. It doesn't have that sort of daunting atmosphere that I think for some people, a regular tattoo or piercing studio could have. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so how did you all, um, I guess, Adam, starting with you, because because this is such a unique team and unique area of the business and we are such pioneers as a brand um, with the experience that we're offering. What's, what was your journey into this role? Um, kind of what's your background and what are your strengths that you play to? Um, well, my career history has pretty much just been in retail management. So when I took this role, uh, originally we were still from the retail perspective, quite a young brand. I think we, I was opening like the third store with us. So, um, and now we're on like number nine. So, um, yeah, so the third store and I entered the role probably quite naively at first from like the background that I've had, it was pretty much just retail management. 
So like and we I weren't said, offering services then, were we? We were, but it was just such the early stages. Um, I don't think we realised the impact that it was going to have on the retail side of the business. Um, so, yeah, I'd almost say like we didn't really realise the impact it was going to have. And um, yeah, like my first day, it was pretty much like me just kind of like getting to grips with everything. And my brain is so focused on like the retail structure of things that that the traditional retail structure um that i didn't really grapple like at first what the services meant and the impact it would have um but yeah i learned so much i think in my first year within the brand and i think we were all learning about it because it was still so new so i think that was um a great kind of like starting point for me because we were all learning about this and we were taking on service staff with, um, to join our brand who were helping develop the business and this side of it too. Um, so yeah, I kind of think I fell into it by accident, I guess, because I was just thought I was signing up to be a retail manager. And then you realize that this services side is, there's so much more elements to it. There's the operational aspect of it. There's the people side of it. And um, it's almost like, I, I used to describe it as almost like a cross between retail, hospitality. Um, you have like this element of hosting and almost like you're a receptionist almost to like the customer um, when we're checking people in and checking them out. Um, so I had to quickly adapt because I didn't have experience within that kind of field. Um, and I think our, with that, our customer journey was changing and adjusting and what we thought of a typical Astrid and MeU customer wasn't the case anymore. Um, so yeah, I definitely fell into it by accident, I think. And then my most recent role, I've just built on that kind of um, learning, I guess. Um, and um, I think for all of us as well, we can probably all admit we're still always learning about this kind of um, experiential retail uh, business model. Uh, it comes with challenges and so on. And we just always... Um, just trying to problem solve and like figure out what the next experience is going to be or how we can like better those experiences within store. Um, but yeah, definitely by accident, but, um, I'm so glad I did because, uh, it's been able to teach us so much more than what we would typically have in that kind of retail environment, I guess. Yeah. And so much must have changed since store number three to now store number nine. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy amounts. <laughs> What's I mean, changed the most in terms of the experience. Uh, well, we started off literally just doing piercing. Like I said, we had free stores. I don't even think back then we offered it every day of the week. Charlotte, you might remember. I don't think it was every day, right? Yeah, or well, there'd often be studios that weren't staffed, so... Yeah. So it was something that we was kind of like preparing for. We was building that foundation. So uh, Neil Street, which is the store I started in, was the first of its kind that had two studio spaces. And at the time that was revolutionary for us. We were like, oh God, like there's going to be so many like more opportunities there. Um, so yeah, that was the first of its kind. And then I remember when we actually started using both studios full time and we were like, whoa, this is insane. Like the footfall that we've got here. Um, and I just been onboarded from other retail brands that like you're having these conversations that the high street is not doing as well as it did 10 years ago. And it almost was like the conversation that it was like a broken record, which everyone's always talking about the high street and what's happening to it. And you're hearing and seeing brands that have been around for decades um, disappear. So for me to have moved to a brand where um, we've got the footfall that we had. It was just absolutely insane. Um, but yeah, we started off predominantly with just piercing and then we introduced tattooing and then our welding service. So we were always 
learning and seeing that improvement, but like adapting the services as well to our customer and their, their interests. So, yeah. How do all those services come together so seamlessly? Um, I would say we've chosen them really well at first glance. I like, I think piercing and tattoos, you obviously, um, put those two together quite, um, commonly you would have that in a typical tattoo studio. Um, but I think the three of them actually have, um, a very kind of like typical bond first off they all have something that you would leave the store and have something forever so whether it's a welded bracelet a tattoo or a piercing what we find is that our customers come to get those services to have a lasting memory um i guess it's the same kind of model that you would when you buy a product so when you do buy jewelry it could be a necklace to mark a special occasion well now we find that our customers are coming in to mark a special occasion with these experiences um And I think in the world we live in, um, where you have TikTok and social media and people like want to tell you what they're doing all the time, um, what better way to document your like marking of a new birthday or celebration than actually experience something with someone, um, So I think the services all do that first off. Um, But also I find that just working in the stores um, and having those stores that offer all free services, you do see customers that as soon as they get their piercing, they get really excited by seeing someone get a tattoo. And it just kind of molds really well. And um, I would say like our typical customer would have all three of those services. Um, And if not, if they only think they would get one, they usually start getting convinced to get the other one quite quickly. So yeah, I think they marry very well together. Create such a wonderful community as well, doesn't it? Yeah, for sure. Um, so Charlotte, tell us, when when did you know that you wanted to become a piercer? And what's what's been your journey into becoming one of Astrodemy's longest, longest serving and top piercers? Um, I think similarly to Adam, it was kind of an accidental sort of development. I originally, back in the day, wanted to be a tattooist. And the way that most people do go about that is by getting an apprenticeship in a studio. Um, And a lot of tattooists or, yeah, a few, yeah, a lot of tattooists do start out as pieces. Um, So I, I was getting pierced, I think I was about 17. And the piercer at the time, who's now one of my closest friends, she offered me an apprenticeship, which is sort of how there isn't really like a college course you can do for piercing or tattooing. So she offered me an apprenticeship um, and I did that. I was there for, I want to say, four or five years before coming to Astrid. um, And someone reached out to me. Obviously, it was a very, it was quite daunting in the sense that it was very different from what I knew. Um, coming from like a tattoo studio environment to a more retail-based studio that was just piercing and jewellery rather than the tattoos, the bookings, blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, it was accidental. I think once I started piercing, I realised quite quickly that I didn't actually want to be a tattooist. Um, And I sort of fell in love with piercing, which was nice. So it was nice to go from the tattoo studio to somewhere where I can wholeheartedly focus on the piercing side of things what do you love most about piercing um I don't actually like hurting people so (laughs) none of that um I quite like that people do trust you a lot and it is as you said 
people often come in to mark something quite special to them. It's quite an intimate thing to be piercing someone, especially if they're a bit nervous, you're talking them through it. Um, and people are always quite open when they come and sit down and get a piercing bait. Like I know I've heard hairdressers say it as well, but as soon as they sit down, they're really, they'll be quite honest and open with you about what they're going through and why they're getting the piercing. And yeah, they just feel safe. They feel it's a safe environment to kind of be vulnerable in, I guess, which is quite, it's quite special. Yeah. Yeah, I guess it's quite an intimate experience, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it really is. And what do you enjoy about working at Astrid? I really like the sense of community that the brand has going on. I also, again, really love how jewellery focused it is compared to a typical piercing studio. Um, It's a lot more fun being able to pierce people when you've got all the really pretty pieces and you can sort of curate an ear really nicely. Yeah, with beautiful product, absolutely. Um, So Abby, as our store design manager, um, what does your day-to-day look like? How's your day split? And um, I know obviously at the back end of last year, it was crazy with three store openings, but now now that things have calmed since peak, how's your day split and what do you think um, the strengths are that you need to really flourish in, in your role? I think as the store design manager, myself and the team are constantly working on projects that we have coming up. There's never a quiet moment. Um, A new store project always starts with creating a new design concept to really ensure we're enhancing that in-store experience. And we want each store to have its own unique character to really connect with that store's customer. And we create this with many different teams in the business to get the best design. Uh, From then, we developed the concept by putting together full design drawing packages, which include elements from the overall layout plans to specifying material finishes to the technical drawing of a piece of joinery in the store. Um, So this is kind of the design side of the role. We then have the project management side of the role where we're dealing with contractors, managing budgets, timelines, ensuring we are complying to building regulations and supporting on site during the construction phase. I think um, strengths you need in this role, apart from being able to create and design innovative retail stores, the strengths I feel you really need are to be organised. You need to be able to meet deadlines, manage your time, work within budgets. whilst also working and managing several projects all at once that are all at different stages. Um, I feel this role, there's a massive element of problem solving, especially when a project is under construction on site, there's always things that pop up that haven't been planned for, and you need to be able to think of solutions to solve these um, super quickly, which also means you need to be um, flexible in this role as every day is completely different. Um, Another bit at big aspect of the role is to have people skills. Um, As a store designer, you need to be able to manage several different teams' ideas, needs, and feedbacks. And your role is to kind of balance all of those and ensure that you're creating a successful store for every single team in the business while making sure that store is still innovative innovative, um, and pushing the design boundaries. And what's the balance between the creative side and then the obviously very technical and um, much more logical side. What, what's that balance? Yeah, it's interesting. You um, 
the design side comes first and that's maybe what you're starting quite a few months before you even see a shop open. So that's when you need to be forward thinking of what's going to happen in the future. Um, It then comes into the project management side of things where you're managing that whole design and that process and making sure that happens. So there's an element, I would say last year, a lot of my um, role was project management based, but that was kind of working out how we're going to move forward um, in the team and how we're going to implement these stores in the future. But I see that kind of balancing out. And as you're working on different projects all at different times, you're constantly designing at different stages, um, which mixing in that project management aspect. Yeah, absolutely. So one of our uh, brand values that we're proud of is grow together. Um, And we as a brand and team, we're always growing and learning and pioneering in what we do. How do you all stay ahead of the game in experiential retail and ensure that um, our brand is unrivaled against competitors? Um, Something I do quite regularly is I'm just super duper nosy. So I ensure like it sounds weird, but um, a lot of what my role does for me is um, I have to like go to all of our stores quite regularly. So I find myself going through like every area of London pretty much every other day. Um, and our compet- competitors, whether they're like our next door neighbours or just down the road, I am such a little snooper and I just make sure that I know exactly what they're up to. So this could be like actually visiting their stores or concessions. Um, sometimes I'm as like bad as just actually asking the guys behind the till, like, oh, you got anything exciting planned for the next couple of weeks? <laughs> um, or are you got any new stores opening and things like that? So um, yeah, I'm super nosy. I um, I love social media as well. So I'm always snooping on social media and just making sure, um, like just trying to figure out what they're doing. I find most commonly that a lot of brands are being inspired by us, probably the other, more so than the other way around. So um, for me, it's making sure if they are copying us or being inspired by us, where they are in that process um, and making sure that we're ahead of them. Um, sometimes I notice perhaps, are they making like a few rookie errors that we made like maybe a year or two ago and we've already learned from that and grown from that. Um, so yeah, for me, it's just all about being a snoop, I guess, and just making sure we're ahead of them. On that, making mistakes and making errors, because we love to celebrate mistakes here. It's all about taking risks and growing as a team. Um, In the two and a half years that you have been here, what's been your your biggest failure? (laughs) And what have you Uh, learned? (laughs) I I would probably say for me, it's biting off more than I can chew. So I think for us, this is the first brand as well that I've worked for, which... um, it's probably like the youngest brand I've worked for and um, still has elements of like a startup brand because we have so much growth ahead of us. So um, for me, it was seeing the opportunity to be able to like uh, throw myself at like different tasks and different opportunities and really kind of tackle those. And I thought for, for my own personal development, that would be amazing. Like, oh, I can try out this. I can work with this department and really help um, the development of this brand, which is amazing but also probably not always the best idea. Um, For me, yeah, selfishly, it was such a great idea to develop my skills. And I do believe if I hadn't have done that, I wouldn't be where I am now. 
Um, but I think one thing that can um, be mistaken as a great opportunity within a startup brand is to throw yourself at all these different challenges and not really focus on what your role is really about. Um, and I do believe now we're getting to a point within our brand where I think we've had crazy growth within our teams the past year. Um, and we're really being able to hone in on projects and really, um, I think, those I would say like mistakes maybe that we made like two years ago, which is natural as a startup brand. We're being able to learn from them already and um, onboard these people who are just so um, specialized within these fields to make sure that those mistakes don't happen again. So um, yeah, already like Abby has been such a good support for me uh, within like the last year. I think prior to her joining, um, there were elements of her role, which I would sometimes try to tackle, which probably I was not qualified to do. And now we have such great conversation and brainstorming, um, conversations about how we can better, um, develop the studios within our stores to make sure that our service team can offer the best services in store. Um, and already like from what our studios have come from, um, when I first started to what they look like now, is insane um and that's got to do with us like just onboarding those people that have those specialist skills and um we definitely definitely learn from those mistakes i think from earlier on in um, the business so yeah i would say to push the boundary of um design and retail you can't be afraid to take risks and you've always got to try something new um there's definitely been numerous times where as a designer i've really had a vision for something and when it came to reality, it just didn't work. Um, and I believe that's in my role, it's the best way to learn is to be on site during construction as much as possible, because there's always things happening, things changing, things that aren't working. So that's where I've learned most in terms of what works and doesn't work in my role. But I think it's quite mundane compared to obviously with designing a new studio, which is quite hard to quickly reverse. Um, but we did introduce... I think septums at one point and we quickly realized that it wasn't really our sort of customers. It didn't take off as well as sort of the ear piercings did. So I think in terms of mistakes, not, not exactly a mistake. I just think something that didn't really take off as much as we initially thought, but again, it's just a learning curve and we can just see what, it, it, yeah, it more gives us an idea of what our customers do want. If that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And you were lucky enough to fly out to New York, weren't you, to support in our pop-up store. What was that like? Yeah, it was so exciting. I felt really swanky. Um, <laughs> it was really fun. Yeah, it was nice to be able to work in a different country because I've not done that before. Um, with being in America, it was very similar in terms of what we offer here. It was just really nice to meet new people, I think. With working in London, a lot of our customers were... They've walked past the stores sort of for the first time, just pop their head in to sort of see what's going on. Um, then realised we've done, we do piercings and sort of become intrigued that way. Whereas I found in the States, most of our customers sort of already knew who we were from our online presence, which was really interesting. Um, rather than sort of making a good first impression, it was more about sort of keeping consistent with what we preach online and stuff and staying true to our brand. Mm. And they have a very different retail culture to us, don't they? Did you feel like they came in with any higher expectations than customers in the UK? Um, I did notice they were just a lot more like chill. They were a lot more open to ideas. They, they knew they wanted a piercing. They knew they wanted some more bling in their ear, but they were sort of just like, mm, 
you choose. I don't know, like, I don't know what to do. I think I'll leave it up to you. So they were just, yeah, they're a little bit more sort of chill about it, a little bit blasé, but in a cool way. They were, it's always good, I think, when you leave it up to a professional or you're willing to take on their advice because you're sort of going to get the best outcome, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's so much more fun that way too. Yeah. Cool. So we have some questions that come from the community. The first one is, can Astrid and me train me to become a piercer, a welder or a tattooist? Would you like to take that one, Charlotte? Yeah. Um, as I said earlier, there's not really like a college course or like you can't really go to university to become a tattooist or a piercer. And what I quite like about our industry is it's still very much trad- traditional in the sense that you do, you go and get your, your apprenticeship. You learn on the job, you learn obviously all the hygiene, hands-on for the first part of your apprenticeship. Um, so yeah, no, we don't, you, you can't really learn through us, but obviously we take people once they've gone and they've had the apprenticeship. Quite interesting because it means we get people that have come from not a retail, not a retail sort of focus studio and then they've come here. So they've kind of got the best of both worlds. Just following on from what Charlotte said, really, um, yeah, I think it is obviously really important that we're taking on people who've had that kind of experience in other industries prior to joining us. Um, But what I found really interesting um, just in kind of like more recent months is that uh, people who perhaps are applying to be peers with us, who have gone off and gained experience elsewhere prior to applying, have actually said that um, one of the reasons they went into that industry is because they were inspired by some of the peers is within our team um which yeah it's just so amazing to hear that um we i've like interviewed people and they've said oh i was actually pierced by charlotte a couple of years ago and um i followed her on instagram and i've remembered the experience and then i've gone away and taught myself or got some studio experience and um, now i'm applying for the role with you guys um and yeah, it's just crazy to hear that. But it's so nice to hear that we're kind of having that impact, I guess, um, and that our service staff are obviously offering that amazing service that then is not just inspiring people with their purchases, but then going away and wanting to like pursue that career as well, which is, yeah, that's, I just thought that's great to like hear that. Mm, Piercer Academy. <laughs> What's next? <laughs> um, another question, probably best for you, Adam, what do you, what do you need in order to become a store stylist? Um, I think you need charisma for sure um, and character. So what I love about our stores is that I can go into them and just see like such individuality with within our store teams. Um, and I think with that kind of confidence with your own personal style, you can really um, promote our brand and, and our unique collections and things like that. Um, so yeah, I think definitely confidence. Um, one thing I've learned working in our stores is that our customers really, really care about our um, product knowledge and what we can really demonstrate to them. So they are really willing to buy into our um, style advice. So I think as long as you have that confidence to deliver it, they'll buy it really. Um, so yeah, definitely um, confidence and charisma. Um, and Abby on store locations, what do we have any stores outside of the outside of London coming this year? Um, all I'll say is watch the space. <laughs> we have lots of exciting uh, projects in the pipeline this year. Um, and a quick fire for all three of you. What is your personal favorite service and why? For me, tattoos. Yes. 
yeah, I'm going to be biased and say piercing. <laughs> and then a couple of New Year's questions to wrap up. Have any of you made any 2022 commitments or goals or resolutions that you'd like to share? Um, I'm usually terrible at this. I never, ever do New Year's resolutions. Um but I did tell myself I would do one this year. Um, and it's just, this sounds really vague and like not, not like a real New Year's resolution, but just be more positive. Um, and just in general, just not channel my energy into anything too negative. And I've already been doing it the last couple of weeks and it's really helped me, I think, just have like a brighter outlook and perspective on things um and it sounds so just sounds so like mundane just be more positive as a person but no it has it has really kind of helped my outlook and um just kind of like focusing my energy on the positives and realizing that if there is anything negative that comes up um to just uh ask myself what I can do about it and if you can't actually do anything about it in that moment just don't waste your energy on it so sounds really cliche I know and um quite vague but yeah, it's definitely been helping me recently. So I'm definitely going to try and keep that up throughout the year. I love that. And that's absolutely achievable to commit to as well for the year. Mm, yeah. I, yeah, I find like a new year's resolution quite intimidating. Cause it's like, if you mess it up, that's you done till next year. So try and like, think of it as like, every month is a fresh start, every new day, blah, blah, blah. It sounds so cliche, but yeah, I think, Similarly to Adam, quite vague. Just try and not stress too much because things have a way of working out. I think try and like romanticize small things, be it like a nice cup of coffee on the balcony in the morning. Just like enjoy the little things. Um, and yeah, don't stress too much because it's not, nothing's ever that deep, I think. <laughs> Yeah, I haven't set any 2022 uh, goals yet, but whenever I set goals, I always make sure that they're realistic to achieve. I find myself, if I set a goal that's just too big, I find it really hard. So I like to set small goals and make sure I can achieve those and also put in how I can achieve those. I'm quite numbers focused, so it might be... I go for a run and I want to get this time. So that's how I focus my goals and look to achieve them. And how will you all make sure that you continue to learn and grow and I guess stay ahead of the game, continue to pioneer what you do? I guess keeping an open mind to new ideas and the changing world of retail design and the business and getting involved in areas that work outside my comfort zone so I can really push myself to develop. Um, yeah, for me, I, I feel like um, my role and our retail environment is one that has to be quite creative um, and just always adapting to the current climate, whether that's COVID, whether it's customer um, um, types and things like that. So for me, it's being able to continue having those creative conversations with my peers, uh, the store teams and stuff like that, just to make sure that we're aware of everything that's going on. It could be customer feedback. It could be competitors. It could be the industry 
anything like that, but just making sure that we're having those creative brainstorming exercises and those conversations and discussing like the ever-changing landscape that retail is, um, just to make sure that we're adapting to that, I think. Um, and I think that's something that we, we do so well and amazingly, and that's why we're where we are. Um, but yeah, just continue doing that really. And I think now it's more important than ever, obviously with COVID and everything that we do now. I think with piercing, what I love is there's constantly new information, constantly new techniques coming out as a worldwide sort of thing. Um, so I think just keeping an open mind and working alongside other piercers worldwide, um, being an open mind, keeping an open mind to new techniques and new information that they've sort of brought up. Um, I think a lot of people, you you sort of not fail in a way, but you sort of are shooting yourself in the foot a little bit when you get to a point where you think you know it all. So I think it's really important to be willing to constantly learn. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Adam, Abby and Charlotte, it's been so lovely speaking to you. Thank you so much for your time. Thank Thank you. so much for listening to the Astrid and Me podcast. If you enjoyed listening, please like, subscribe and leave a review. To learn more about us, go to our website and you can follow at Astrid and Me on Instagram.